There is one more thing. We are delivering today the world's fastest personal computer, and we're calling it the G5. Number 20, the Power Mac G5. Welcome to 20 Macs for 2020. I'm Jason Snell. Now, from the perspective of today, it is hard to understand just how important the professional Mac tower was in the mind of a Mac user. When Steve Jobs returned to Apple in the late 90s, he famously simplified the company's product line by drawing a four-product grid, consumer desktop and laptop, pro desktop and laptop. Back then, there was no consumer laptop. None. PowerBooks were very expensive. And although the G3 iMac was a wild success as a consumer desktop, for years, all the real Mac users looked down on it. It was weird and underpowered. It was a little plastic toy that was not suited for getting real work done. That's because real Mac users used Power Macs. They were the real computer, as defined by the standards of the 90s and early 2000s. They were boxes. You could open them up and swap in hard drives, install RAM, stick in expansion cards, maybe even upgrade the processor itself. Here's Adam C. Angst of Tidbits. Back then, the really big thing was if you wanted a second monitor, and I've been using a second monitor since the SE30 in 1990, you had to get a Mac Pro or a Power Mac such that you had slots. Time and trends and Apple's own predilections have led us to a very different world two decades later. The only Mac that fits these criteria starts at $6,000. But back then, the desktop tower was the Mac. It was the one that mattered. Here's John Gruber of Daring Fireball. You could kind of look at the Power Mac G3 in particular with the coloring that was the Bondi blue of the iMac, you know, and even when they went to the G4 and it was more serious, but you could still squint at those things. And and if you didn't really know, you wouldn't know if they were meant for professionals or consumers based on just the look and the feel and the materials. Whereas when you looked at the Power Mac G5, there was no question. Even if you didn't know anything about computers, you wouldn't think this is a consumer product. This is Shelley Brisbane, a podcaster and my colleague back at Mac user in the 90s. It's a very striking case. I won't even say beautiful. I mean, hence the fact that everybody called it the cheese grater, which was totally accurate. But it's very striking. And it does convey what Apple wants to convey, that it's it's big and powerful. It doesn't say, I'm a cute iMac, nor does it even say, I'm a business Mac. It says, I'm big and strong, and I have lots of powerful processor power inside of me. Here's Andy Anatko, a longtime Mac columnist. I think it's one of the Macs that completely connected uh, its role in the Mac lineup with its appearance. This was the power Mac. It just looks like power it doesn't look like we put little daisies on the side of it hmm. no we we built a box into which we were going to be putting a really powerful motherboard into which you were expected if you would like to to put in any cards or any storage you wanted and oh okay well we do have one tricky thing to explain that we did make the entire side panel completely removable just like a previous model that we did it's like every single time that 
Apple collectively had been like pushed into a mud puddle during recess and had its lunch money stolen and said, ah, hey, you're just a design company. You make crummy computers. All you care about is that it looks cool. And they said, oh, yeah, fine. We will make a decent looking machine that does not look like we put form over function. Uh, and But damn, it was a cool machine. I really, really liked it. We talk about the beige box era of PCs and that Apple itself got caught up in building beige boxes for a long stretch of the 90s wasn't good. It was like a sign of rot within Apple. Mm -hmm. But this was just unapologetically, look, it is metal. If you didn't know what it was and you took it back to 1953, it looks like something from an industrial shop, right? When you talk to anybody who worked at Apple in the modern era, they often talk about honesty in design. That can sound pretentious, and I think it's easy to get lost in a conversation on that and, and get lost in pretension. But I think that when you listen to them, it never sounds frou-frou or abstract. It actually always comes down to concrete things that you don't have to be in a poetic sense of mind to understand. And we we'll often come back. I'll bet like a lot of these discussions you're having will come back to that four-square diagram pro- consumer, laptop, desktop, and that all four could be good, but they all have to be honest and true to themselves. And what is the difference between a consumer desktop and a pro desktop? And it's not just specs. It's not just, well, the pro should be faster and more expensive. Like making it out of metal it unapologetically says this is a professional tool. The PowerMac G5 came at a time where there was a miniature version of the Mac Malaise that we recently are coming out of here in 2020. This is podcaster and retired OS X reviewer, John Syracuse. At the time the PowerMac G5 was released, Apple's tower line of computers, which had sort of been resurgent with the blue and white G3 and then a whole series of G4s with a bunch of funny names and mm -hmm. weird case details after that, it was in a bit of a situation because... The insides of the latter-day G4 towers were not, to use Apple's parlance, particularly balanced, right? You know, it became more and more ridiculous to put faster and faster CPUs in an otherwise unchanged or not changed enough sort of motherboard that was not meant to support chips at that speed. So power users who wanted to use these big, fancy, expensive tower computers were like, come on, Apple. Like, I understand you can keep putting in faster and faster CPUs, but you're not making the whole thing faster. We've had this case for a long time now with all the different details on it. We went from G3 to G4. What's the next leap? They never seem to have the answer. G3 to G4 to G4 to G4 to G4. The latter-day G4 machines were just not good, powerful computers. They were unbalanced because they kept making the CPUs faster and the, the cooling wasn't great on those machines. They had like little holes to get let the air come in and these channels that would go through. Now, I don't want to focus too much on the outside of the Power Mac G5, because what was on the inside was also a big deal. It was something Pro Mac users had been desperate for for years. My uh, one memory of this is before it was released, Apple Insider or somebody had leaked a bunch of specifications, and they looked for all the world like those fantasy rumors of like, this amazing thing is going to happen, and there's going to be this Mac with this super duper co-processor and this AV board and this holographic memory and just people just make stuff up and send it in and you read it. And it, when this was released, it was like, it's going to be two CPUs, two gigahertz with a one gigahertz memory bus and like all these ridiculous stats that, it, that were not just like a little bit better than the G4, like setting aside that it was going to be this new G5 chip. It was like, oh, it not only is it going to be a new G5 chip, but the memory bus is going to be like five times faster. The CPU is going to be two times faster. There's going to be two of them 
it you know the, the ram ceiling was going to be so high it's going to have this many slots so on and so forth it seemed ridiculous it seemed it was so overblown they were like oh yeah well, one other it wouldn't be great if they actually re- released that thing for those of you uh, that have not been aware there was a funny thing that happened on our website last thursday as i recall uh where some specifications were posted on a power mac g4 page it looked pretty remarkable and steve jobs on stage uh, introducing it made fun of the fact that there may have been a leak that revealed some specifications and that's when it, i think it started to dawn on people that that wasn't just a fantasy rumor all that stuff was correct i am here today to tell you that it was a mistake and it's true and so this is one of the few times where apple secrets leaked and people didn't believe them because they sounded too good and it turns out it was all true 100 percent true g5 was announced at wwdc in 2003 as the world's fastest personal computer Steve Jobs pointed out it was also the first 64-bit processor in a desktop computer and proudly trumpeted Apple's partnership with IBM to create the G5 processor, which was replacing the Motorola-built PowerPC G4 at the top of Apple's product line. Here's Stephen Hackett of 512 Pixels and Relay FM. The keynote's really interesting when he talks about, we're going to talk about the chip, the system, and then the product. Like very classic, like Steve Jobs building it up, talking about the processor, and there's some system stuff I want to get to, but uh, while we're talking about the case, he's like, are we going to put all of this technology in like this old thing and shows a picture of the G4, which just a few years before was the best desktop tower case on the market, I think. Now, all this great stuff, should we put it in here? Yeah. No. We need a much more advanced enclosure to hold our next generation system. And we've been working on it for some time. And it is really exciting. It looks like this. And there's just these funny jokes about, you know, we want to get a lot of air in the front and we got to want to move a lot of air out of the back, right? The, the, the case was a, a side effect of the processor. This G5 is hot and takes up a lot of power and we need something that is really breathable. There's this other great moment in this keynote where Jobs is like, and it has nine fans. And you can just, you can kind of hear everybody in the audience go like, oh no. In this enclosure, we've got a breakthrough. We've got, this whole thing has got computer control cooling system in it. We've got nine fans in this enclosure. Now you might think, oh my God. Nine fans means it's gonna be nine times louder. No, it turns out the opposite is true. Because by putting the fans precisely where they're needed and independently controlling them all, we can make it a lot quieter. The G4 before this was nicknamed Wind Tunnel because it was so dang loud. I mean, if you think about the G4 case really started as the blue and white G3. Right. And they end up sticking dual G4s in there. That's a lot of difference in in heat. They're noisy. I've got one. It is, it is loud. I bought the first gen dual 2 gigahertz Power Mac G5. What a leap over what came before. The huge case. No problem with getting air into that thing. The whole front of it was basically open to air with a million little holes. And then the air went straight out the back. Amazing design. The side that comes off completely. I actually preferred that to the, the blue and white that folded down because I felt like it gave you better access. There was that cool clear baffle thingy that, to guide the air. Yeah. Nine computer controlled fans. Oh man, do I miss being able to pop the side off and get to your drives in seconds flip a toggle, pull that side off, and everything was just laid out there for you. You know, and you could turn a turn a knob and then pull a drive out and pop a new one in. Ah, oh, so brilliant. 
the nice thing about this case, speaking of like, you know, they changed the inside significantly. They also changed the outside. Like they, uh, you know, they made the design flexible enough that you could change stuff like, hey, what ports does it have on the front? What ports does it have on the back? Where are the ports on the back? Where are the fan holes in the back? How many fan holes are there in the back? Like the design was flexible enough that more or less the same design, if you squint them, they all look like cheese graters. But if you look closer, like, wow, there's totally different ports on the front of that. And wow, they changed where the air exits on the back. There used to be two fans like this, and now there's three fans like that. And now, now this is on the top, and now this is on the bottom. They move stuff around a lot. Like the ports were always in the same place on the front. And they had room to kind of mix it up. The back changed much more significantly. Power supply used to be on the bottom. Then it moved elsewhere where the CPUs were, where the RAM was. You know, how things slid in and out of it. How things socketed in. How many fans there are. How the fans were inserted and removed. But I, I think it was a really smart design where they could reuse in car parlance most of the panels from computer to computer. They could reuse the manufacturing technique. And when they wanted to change the ports, that's just like drill different holes. That's basically what it boils down to. So... Really smart design, and the insides significantly changed. They changed where everything was. They ended up putting more powerful G5s in there. There was a liquid-cooled version at some point uh, with a kilowatt power supply. Those coolers, the radiator and stuff, a lot of that was built by Mopar, and a lot of it leaked all over Genius Rooms all around the world. Mm. And you had to fill out special paperwork when that happened. I remember well. Yeah, I think having liquid in my computer seems like a bad idea. But I, I know why they did it, but it seems like a bad idea, right? Like... I don't want my computer to leak. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want that at all. That's real bad. With the kilowatt power supply sitting there, you don't want that getting wet, right? Now, given the history between Steve Jobs and IBM, and it's not a pleasant history, it's quite a thing to consider just how much praise Jobs and Apple lavished on IBM during the launch of the Power Mac G5. The truth is, when Jobs came back to Apple, he found the company in a super vulnerable position when it came to the Mac's processors. The PowerPC chip architecture that was being used in every Mac was a huge sore spot. It's not quite fair to say that Macs were always slower than a comparable PC running Intel processors, but they were frequently slower. And even when they weren't, they often lagged behind in sheer clock speed. Try explaining to someone that a 1.5 gigahertz G4 is actually faster than a 1.7 gigahertz Intel processor. Either they won't believe you because 1.7 is larger than 1.5, or their eyes will just glaze over as you explain RISC and CISC architectures and they'll fall asleep, which is what all of us did at Macworld Expo New York one year when Apple tried to do this. Well, Apple ended up hitching the entire future of the Mac to IBM. IBM had been focusing on high-end workstation processors, and that seemed like a good fit for the Power Mac line, at least. Then Apple went to work doing its marketing thing, and that IBM relationship was at the center of it all. Steve Jobs held up a polished silicon wafer and showed photos of the IBM factory in Fishkill, New York, where the G5 was being made. Power Mac G5 design outlasted the computer that it was designed for. And that's because of the Intel transition. If anyone remembers Macworld Expo New York 2003, it would be as the last hurrah of that show in New York. It crept back to Boston after that to die. Steve Jobs wasn't even there. But there was a keynote. Phil Schiller led it. There was a hefty Apple presence. Big Apple booth. But what I remember about that event is that I was part of a group of journalists who took a field trip to Fishkill, New York, to the IBM factory, we had to put on those white bunny suits and got to wander through a series of clean rooms where robots were creating cutting-edge processors like the G5. It's very strange. You write about Apple and suddenly you find yourself in an IBM factory. It wasn't quite Microsoft headquarters. I did that, too. Talk about being in the belly of the beast. But 
we were in a new world. IBM and its chip-making prowess was the savior of the Mac, and the big, beautiful G5 future was ahead. So, about that. What about the future? We're at 2 gigahertz today. IBM and Apple are today announcing that within 12 months, we'll be at 3 gigahertz. 3 gigahertz processor clock, that's up 50% within 12 months. It was never clear to me whether IBM actually said that they would have that chip. I mean, Steve Jobs said they said that, but did they actually say it? Was it mentioned as a possibility and he just turns it into a certainty to try to pressure them to make it happen? Not clear, but, you know, it, it never happened, obviously. Seems to me Steve Jobs placed trust in IBM that uh, wasn't merited. He seemed to believe that IBM could deliver those 3 gigahertz chips within 12 months. Keep in mind, the G5, when it launched, had a 2 gigahertz model. Intel was already selling 3 gigahertz chips at that point. They were way behind. It was a guarantee the likes of which Apple had never before offered, I wrote at the time. But Jobs seemed confident. IBM seemed confident. They sold that confidence. Apple shipped Macs with G5 processors for three years. There was never a 3 gigahertz G5 chip. And while there eventually was a G5 iMac, there was never a G5 laptop. The architecture wasn't ever conducive to being used on mobile devices. Steve Jobs accepted an IBM projection. He made a promise. He hyped his relationship with IBM. And he got burned. I think in hindsight, the PowerMac G5 is sort of this weird inflection point of like, at the time, I mean, it was the fastest Mac you could buy, but it was king of the hill for such a short time because it was it was the last of its kind. It was actually the last machine to go Intel along with the X-Serve and very quickly was eclipsed by Intel Macs. Yeah, here's what happened next. Apple revved up its secret project to ensure that Mac OS X could compile for Intel processors. And less than three years after we went to Fishkill in our bunny suits, Apple announced it was dumping the PowerPC entirely and moving to Intel. I stood up here two years ago in front of you, and I promised you this. And we haven't been able to deliver that to you yet. I think a lot of you would like a G5 in your PowerBook, and we haven't been able to deliver that to you yet. Apple finally did release a Mac with a 3 gigahertz processor in it. It was a Mac Pro with an Intel Xeon inside. Also, funny story, in the background, Apple was talking to other chip design companies about alternatives to the G5. This was part of a desperate search to find a new chip to power its laptop since the G5 couldn't do it. One of the companies they spent time talking to was called PA Semi. And in 2008, Apple bought that company. They are, to this day, Apple's chip-making team. And perhaps we've reached the ultimate lesson of the G5 affair. Steve Jobs, and through him, Apple's larger corporate culture, was reminded, if you're reliant on a partner for a crucial portion of your business, you can't control that business. Not really. Making the G5 was a side hustle of a side hustle of a company in transformation. It just wasn't that important to IBM while being vitally important for Apple. Steve Jobs and Apple learned that lesson. When they bought PA Semi, they were buying the company that would make the A-series processors that power the iPhone, the iPad, and very soon, the Mac. You could argue the Power Mac G5 has IBM's failure inscribed in its very name, but I prefer to consider that aluminum cheese grater design as a classic, one that was so classic it bridged the gap between IBM and Intel, and now presumably between Intel and Apple Silicon. It's a design too good to throw away. And of course, it's still with us today in a modernized form with more stainless steel and weirder holes. And now it's 
<laughs> sort of back, you know, a tower with a bunch of airflow moving through it. Yeah, and they spent so much money on this new fancy Mac Pro case. I can't imagine them not using it for at least a decade. You know, yeah. they're going to keep making tower computers. They're not going to do another case design. The, again, the insides could totally change. The number of ports could change. Everything about it could change, but it's going to be a big holy tower thing with handles on it. Now, as I said at the start, back in the late 90s and early 2000s, the Power Mac was the computer. And a lot of Mac users went through the same feeling that I did, which is it felt weird to use an iMac. But the iMac, which we used to mock, grew into its place as a desktop computer powerful enough for most of us. And over time, the overall importance of the desktop computer waned itself because of the prominence of laptops. Most of us don't need a Mac Pro anymore. Nowadays, I feel like such a piker. There's no way in a million years I would be able to afford and B, have any use for a Mac Pro. Just complete overkill. I am now a complete consumer user in, in Apple's mind, it seems. Really, the iMac had so much processing power and so many capabilities, and suddenly I didn't need that Mac Pro anymore. It seemed very cold and very powerful, but it never sort of got into my heart the way some of the other Macs I had did. I felt for once I had the fancy Mac, and then having had the fancy Macs, it's, I guess it's like if you have an expensive car and you're not entirely sure where to take it. Still, you've got to admire the design direction of the original cheese grater. Not only is Apple back to selling a Mac Pro that's very much inspired by it, but even those old computers might have a second life as furniture. To this day, it is acting as an end table on my sofa. Not just because it's such a practical use of that shape, but because it's just it would be a cool end table just in and of itself. I've been thinking about turning them into a bench. You know, there's that nice way of putting a piece of wood between them. This has been 20 Max for 2020. It was written by me, Jason Snell. My thanks to Adam Enks, John Gruber, Shelley Brisbane, Andy Anatko, John Syracusa, and Stephen Hackett. You can find this podcast at Relay FM, and the 20 Max series will live at sixcolors.com slash 20 Max. I'll be back next week with number 19.